BTB listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's episode. Listen, if this episode inspires you, do me a favor. Take five seconds to shoot me a like and subscribe to the podcast. There are several more exciting guests that are in the pipeline, and I just can't thank you enough for your continued support, and let's keep paying the mission forward. In today's episode, I interview songwriter Dennis Cook. Throughout our conversation, we talk about our personal experiences, triumphs, downfalls, what music means to him, and the power of storytelling in people's lives. Dennis outlines how music and storytelling has impacted his life, his mental health journey, and his role helping other musicians in Nashville with a music concept called Songhouse. Each and every one of us are impacted by songs on a daily basis. And Dennis discusses the various topics from how music has helped in his personal experiences, the power of observing and listening, and the essence of mentorship and kindness to the intricate process of songwriting. This is going to be a powerful, tremendous impact on your life, and I can't wait for you to meet Dennis. Don't be afraid of the dark, be careful of stars, not every light is gonna guide you Welcome to the BTB Project. Designed to empower listeners to identify their why and to live their best lives no matter the circumstances. My name is Coleman Gerhardt, a former athlete and motivational coach. I've had the opportunity to inspire thousands through my story and help accomplish what they are built to be. You'll be encouraged by each and every episode, and let's get into it. Yeah, when I blow up, I'm a so high like Peter Pan. In real life, be living all my dreams if I'm waking up with I've recently become very aware the gig worker mentality, the culture of unheard music is a very real thing. Today's guest is someone that I highly resonate with. One, not only for his compassionate heart, but two, because he happens to be helping a dear friend of mine with a music concept that has taken over the world. It gives me tremendous honor. Mr. Dennis Cook, welcome on, to the BTB Project. There it is, man. There it is. There it is. Come on, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, and you and I, before we hopped on, Dennis, a little bit cold in Nashville, a little bit yeah. cold in Washington, where I'm at right, right now. But, uh, man, I would love to start with, when I say music and Dennis Cook, what does music mean to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's funny how things can matter to a person before they're conscious that they matter to a person. Meaning I can go back and ask certain people certain questions about their past. And they're like, oh my gosh, I was a good this. I was a good that. I was a good this. But no one ever acknowledged it. No one ever gave them a high five. No one ever put them on a cover of Sports Illustrated. Like, so therefore, this very thing that they were good at, it never got any confirmation. And I think for me... It's kind of hard because for me, music has always been something. I remember as a kid, 
No joke. I would take a radio to bed with me and put it under my pillow because it felt like a portal. And all of these, like the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac, the Temptations, the Four Tops, see what, like they could all slide right into my pillow every night. And and me being probably growing up about an hour outside of Detroit. And so Motown was so strong when I was a kid. So I think I've always liked kid, always loved, like it just, it does something to me. And when I was early 20s, I was a disc jockey um, with another friend of mine, um, Phil, and we had this thing. There's this guy. This is funny. And I'll get right out of this one. But this no, is you're so good. Funny. I love it, man. This is, had this guy. I mean, he had the figure of a, a of a 84 Hummer, like just this big guy. And <laughs> we were driving around and there was this song. And I'm like, you got to hear this song. I got to hear this song. And when the song got done, he just goes, oh. And I'm like, you can't say, oh, like you can't. I was so frustrated because you can't respond with an oh. And I think for me, it's always been part of my life. Like no matter what I do, like it's been the best friend I've almost ever had that has stuck with me through the highs and the lows. And it's a teacher for me and to shrink the answer to everything that I just said. I think music to me is, it's a power of story. Whoever owns the story owns the power. Uh, so people can be at a beach in which you and I could be sitting at Daytona Beach. We could be sipping iced tea and eating chocolate donuts together and nothing. <laughs> like we are living it up, man, on Daytona Beach, yeah. living it up. And then all of a sudden... You get a call, I get a call from a family member, and this thing called art, this thing called music, that was once a choice of what station I push a button on, now is a lifeline to keeping hope alive. And so for me, Dennis Cook, Music, it's story, it's story. I don't think I'm ever going to get rich. I don't know if I'll ever get any kind of big awards, but for me, it's story. I just, uh, it's magic. Yeah, it's amazing, Dennis, because here I am highly resonating with that as a podcast guy. And I come from a highly competitive coaching and athletic background. And I sat for the longest time thinking, Why would anybody want to listen to me in a podcast? But what I've learned as I've developed relationships through coaching is there are so many incredible storytellers out there. And there's so many incredible stories that can highly resonate with people that are either coming from or coming to situations in life that you and I have respectfully faced. And with that said, I find it ironic that one of the greatest storytellers that I know, Mr. Tyler Ward, who has has helped develop this concept called Songhouse and tapped into music and and was a guy that I I was able to do life with. I just would love for you to maybe tie the train tracks together here, Dennis, to where you come across an opportunity with Songhouse you're in Nashville. Why was it something that resonated with you? And why was it meaningful? 
Yeah, I think, and I listened to your podcast and, and some of the things you shared about your mom and some of the things you shared about Tyler's dad. And I'm very familiar with the song um, that he played. And when someone goes through something as, just call it like it is, and you had layers of, of trauma and depression and darkness, and Tyler has had those, I have had those, it becomes a situation, what do you do with it? What do you do with the aftermath of what you said before we even went on there when life didn't turn out like the way you thought it would? What do you do with that? And I think, for me at least, I really thought, this is not a joke, I told this Tyler, I, I really thought I was going to take these stories to the grave with me. I just felt like you said earlier that no one wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear a 64 guy. Everybody here just yeah. seems so cool and young and, and I'm not. And all those things, and yet your stomach hurts with these stories that you've been carrying around for decades. And, and it almost becomes this thing, what good is the story if it's not told, right? right? And I think you chose to be brave and tell the story about your mom, especially in how that in dealing with addictions. And then you had some plot twists within there that were like, what? And I've, I've had so many conversations with Tyler privately. And so I think whether it's a podcaster, whether it's a writer, it can be an actor, an athlete, anybody that chooses to tell their story, what they're doing is they're giving words to someone else's suffering. Like they're giving words. And oh. when you give words to someone's suffering, you give meaning to their suffering. In other words, somebody can go through something so horrific and, oh my gosh, some of these kids are ready with, I just want to cry with them because they went through so much in life. And you're just trying to give words to feelings, right? And it's hard. And then they come to a point of truth where I can't say that. I can't say it. That just hurts too much, Dennis. And I go, okay, let's have a coffee and we'll table and come back. But when you land on it, when you are finding the right nouns and verbs to wrap around a feeling and it actually leaks out into the world and people all over the world say two words, me too. And so for me, I don't really think, oh man, I hope this is a banger. I hope this song goes to that. Like I think about it because you and I both have shared an experience that we didn't even talk about is... We have been alone in our car at one of the most crappiest days of our life. A song accidentally finds us. One <laughs> song, one Man. person, one person in a car. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's the artist and the audience, and there's nothing there to pollute it. There's nothing. And there have been millions that have been saved in cars and bedrooms and bathrooms and hotel rooms and hospital waiting rooms and on top of bridges, one piece of art, one song. So I think that's the value of me of all this stuff with song houses. And I've said this before, I, I, they probably, I probably need them more than they need me, but they give me a platform to tell stories on because I can't sing. Well, everybody can sing, but I suck can't play guitar and everybody, I just, so the only thing I have, I feel like I'm walking up to the batter's box and I have two strikes on me and I'm like, oh, these words better be good because this is all I have. Then all of a sudden you sit in a room with four people and you're telling one story 
from four different lenses, but when it's over, nobody cares who wrote it because now you've given it away to someone else and now it's theirs and you just have to work on the next line. So I think Songhouse to me has just been, God, it's just, it's been a saving, it has saved heaps of stories from being buried with me. And so that means everything to me. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis, that is so well said. And I have a lot of things that I want to dive into when it comes to you and I's relatability and some of the things that you've experienced as an individual, but I want to tell you how eloquent you said what music means to people. First and foremost, my mom, she grew up in Tennessee Mm -hmm. and she loved the temptations, loved them. She was in a a very white predominant family, but she had a caretaker of her family that was Mm African-American and just fell in love with the temptations and soul and Mm R&B. And it got to a point to where when uh, I was in the midst of some difficult circumstances to where I was on the back end of her life, having to say yeah. goodbye to my mom. Yeah. It was a song that came up when I was driving that actually allowed me to take me by hands and knees. And I had to pull over on the side of the road. And it's a, yeah, it yeah. it's an artist. It's an artist called five for fighting, yeah. which uh, was a guy that used to be a hockey player. And um, he had a song called Superman. And I heard that song coming from my mom's pseudo jukebox back in the day on a daily basis. And that was her song. And when I heard this, when did you think that was her song? That's a tremendous question, Dennis, because as I framed her situation growing up in Tennessee, it had a lot of difficult circumstances with racism Mm -hmm. and my mom was in a predominantly white community had a black caretaker but she fell in love with the african-american culture Mm -hmm. and my mom got crucified for it she got belittled by her parents she got physically abused by her dad not a good situation Mm -hmm. and the five for fighting song about that moment that she experienced what resonated with that song was her her own ability to try to fight through that childhood right to get to a point to where she becomes a wife and a mother and she was a flight attendant she she flew for united airlines for 36 years and she loved helping and serving people So as we start connecting these dots, it's fascinating how she absorbed a lot of the difficult circumstances of which she fell in love with this culture, but yet wanted to pay it forward by giving more love and giving more compassion, which paid forward to me. And I think too, it's just the idea of just, I said this to someone this morning, when you and I listen to a song, no matter who it is, we listen to a song and we go, oh my gosh, you said that song made you pull off the, the road. I, I, I have had things that have come my way and they just, oh, they, you're just overwhelmed by them, right? 
But yeah. like, I think the thing now doing this in Nashville, like those lines are free. Whoever wrote that, whether it be the artist or the writer, it's like somebody that gave you that line as a gift. Somebody had to pay for that. Somebody who went through loss, someone went through a breakup, someone went through something. And I don't know. I, I just think, again, it's magic. It's magic. No, it is. And when you go on Songhouse and you check out the Instagram and you, you hear some of these stories, mm -hmm. and what I love about it is the story, the story substance is shared and then the song is shared. Yeah. And like how you guys are bridging a gap of making the music resonate with the people that are tuning in. When it comes to you, Dennis, I got to know your song, your music, the things that, that make you tick. What, what was the, the part of where you and I's story collided? I'd love to hear more about Ten Dennis Cook and what got you to this point to where you're at with Songhouse. There's a safety for one <clears throat> being in Songhouse because you write with other writers and you're not going to be the singers, so other people will carry the stories. But I think to go back to your original thought, and then I'll come back here, was Tyler's idea to start start trying to get the stories ahead of these little clips that we're doing right. And the reason I think he did that is because <clears throat> what the audience doesn't see is if the song resonates with somebody, there was a hundred percent chance it resonated in the right meaning. We saw something, we felt something, the room, somebody in the room started crying somebody in the room ran out of the room. Somebody did something. We're like, Oh my gosh. Like, and we got to hear everything that the song doesn't say, but could not get those words. If someone didn't share the truth before those lines and Tyler had decided, you know, like, what if we just go ahead and just start leaking out some of the story, just a couple seconds of the story before you guys, the audience, gets to hear it. I think it's been throughout time, stories matter. My role at Songhouse is, man, I'm pretty, I, I don't really have a, a, a big portfolio here. I just like telling stories. And, and, yep. and not only that, there's certain kind of stories I like telling. I like telling stories of, Let's say that you went into a coffee shop today and there was 27 and a half people in the coffee shop. It's loud. There's music on. Everybody's in the room and thing. And all of a sudden you notice something and you look around and nobody noticed it. Everybody saw it, but no noticed it. And at that moment by myself, I can sit up. I can give you an example. Sitting in a coffee shop and a couple sitting there a little south of middle class and just sitting there and they're just sitting there in a guy and girl and they never said a word for 47 minutes like they never said a word and so to me that's what i need that's truth so that's the truth now as a songwriter i can go back and say were they on their way to a divorce were they on their way from a divorce did their seven-year-old daughter slip in a pool and this is the first time they're out of their house um, at their favorite coffee shop in seven months, 13 days, and four hours. And here they are, and it took all the courage in the world just to sit at that same table again. 
but they didn't have the courage to talk to each other. So I don't know where it goes from there, but I know that I found truth and I noticed something. Uh-huh. And now I get to take that and begin um, be a, through someone else and find a way to put that into someone else's story. And so, again, for me, it's just it's just a place where they allow me and they allow me to tell stories. And it's, I'm, I don't know. I, I told my friend Jacob Fox, who started yeah. this, and I've been there almost two years, and I shared, I don't know if I've ever taken a day off. I just think sometimes they want to throw their left shoe at me because I'm just running around the room, hitting people and slapping the couch, like because ideas. And then you listen to them and then they find their story and it's like Legos and everybody just starts building, but they're all red Legos. And so almost nobody gets a credit except the audience. They win. So I think that's what I love about Songhouse and, telling stories and so that's my lane there really i love it and i listen you come dennis you come with so much humility because i know you keep saying you're the 63 year old guy um Four. 64 <laughs> who's counting i, I would have said 38 i mean come on, come on. just here we are as a 64 yeah. year old and yeah. you're mm-hmm. telling stories yeah. and what I have learned in my life is to seek mentorship, to seek <laughs> people that have experienced something that can help pay it forward. Yeah. When I say mentorship and I say Dennis Cook and I say Songhouse, how are you impacting lives, man? That's tricky because it almost seems like that would be a better question to ask people on the other end sometimes, but I can say this, like when I look at myself, I don't look at myself like just really, oh, I have an answer for everything. Like I'm this really smart guy. All I can say is this, is I've been through stuff. So I'm not trying to be smart in math and history and who's the best artist or the best guitar player in the great, like, I don't know any of that. All I know is I've been through some things and I just find it odd as you talk about mentoring it personal experience. It doesn't always go well when you offer information before someone asks. And I think it's not me picking someone. They have to do the picking. Like I don't make money. I don't have a job. I'm not getting paid to mentor. I don't label myself a mentor. I don't label myself even a coach. All I think about is, I know what it was like at the bottom in my life. And there was a few kind people that were kind enough to not come with the answer, come with silence. And I think silence can be the greatest mentor in darkness. When people are looking for the answer, they know that the other person they're asking doesn't have it. And when the person tries to give an answer, why? Why one person, a lady walks across the street with a stroller, whistling Superman song as she goes across the street, and the very next one had her headphones in as well as a driver, and one is gone by the six o'clock news. Figure that out. But all I know from, again, just me, the greatest people in my life, 
have been the people kind enough to sit more than they taught. And there will come a day, there are times where Tyler and I will get together and he'll call me, he's, hey, can you come over? Or, can you do this? Or I'll call him, whatever. And we go in and we think it's going to be something. And the next thing you know, we're just, there is no answer. You just sit. And I think, I don't know, I, I just think for someone like you, what you went through, you are wise enough almost to know that you're not wise. I'm wise enough to know I'm not wise. Like I'm not. All I can do is know this sucks in the yeah. darkness. It sucks. And I can't tell you what works all the time, but I can tell you what doesn't work. And what doesn't work is walking into a room and say, oh, you shouldn't feel like this. And you got a really nice house. You got a hundred STV. You got a really nice car. Or you still got your parents. I don't have my parents. You do all these things, these mechanical things trying to fix it. But what's really happened is you're almost breaking it worse. I've had a lot of sidebar conversations with a lot of these kids. Right. And a lot of times, just as a grandfather or a dad or an uncle, I no longer have the goal of trying to fix people like that can put me in the hospital right there. Like that can put you on a psych ward. And, and it was close for me. And so this stinks, but I feel like I'm 64 and I'm just starting to smell the aroma of peace. Wow. And I don't want to lose it by trying to fix people. Instead, I'm good for seven cups of coffee. Like I'm good. Count me in one, two, three, four, but let's go. Yeah. And then the guy will say, Hey, can we meet tomorrow morning? All right. Tomorrow morning we meet. And there's this thing. And so I, I understand from a business perspective what coaching mentoring means, but I can only speak from my perspective is that gosh, to be at this place and have some of these kids are on the first mile, you can see where it's going. And you're, you got it. And you want to just scream, stop. Yeah, yeah. Instead, you just walk with them. Yeah, it's beautiful and well said. And listen, men mentorship, the ones that have been important in my life are the ones that came to me in silence. But they were there. Yeah. And, they and they listened, right? But with that said, man... I, I know what you're doing now. It, it, it sounds like you got a lot of moving parts with the family too, which is beautiful. I, I love that. But you mentioned rock bottom. What was rock bottom for you? And how were you able to make it through that? Well, I'll answer the last question first. <clears throat> I'm still on the making it through part. I'm still, I don't think there was a period in that. I think I may be more in a comma than a period as far as that goes. But I think... I thought about this because I've said this a hundred times, but you have three people on the bridge ready to jump. One lost a cat, one lost a spouse, and one lost a drop. And all three look at each other goes, what are you up here for? Buy another cow. Hey, I'm on my fourth wife. What's the big deal? And another job. Come on, another job. Just really? And what happens is, is darkness is darkness no matter what causes it. No matter what the trigger is, darkness, the trigger is almost not even part of the story. It just, there are people, and, and I would just say some of this goes back to the fixing thing that got on the yep. hand. And 
I just know that one day it was light and, and then the next day it was dark. And then what happens is you start playing games in your mind. You're like, oh my gosh, did I do something wrong? Did I, is God mad at me? And did I do this? And then you try to maneuver, oh, I'll just pray or I'll just go to counseling. I'll do all these things, which I think are great. And then what happens is the room doesn't lighten up. And then what? When you go through your layers of things that have worked in the past and they no longer work, that's a very scary place to be. And so many people feel like they're running out of options. And at least for me, it just, I don't know, I still wonder about it. I just know that you wake up, it's dark. At 11 in the morning, it's dark. At 3 in the afternoon, it's dark. And it just, you can't get out of it. And it's funny, but this is what's crazy is I can't tell you how many people I think they would come back to me and say, oh my gosh, you helped me out of the dark and you helped me out of this. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. But it's really weird. Like almost like your own advice doesn't work on you. Yep. Like all the beautiful things you coached or helped or met, whatever it did to help someone find the light, those aren't working for you. And then again, your mind starts playing tricks and you brought this up. It's just, you have this, but I won't go deep, but I'll just say you wake up and wish you did it. And then yeah. you're like, oh, that's enough thought. Like that should, oh, no, I can't. I have a family. I have kids. Like I can't think like that. Like you're losing it. And then the next day you're like, huh, you think about it twice. Yeah. And then a month you're thinking about it eight times a day. And then you start thinking, I wonder which way I could do it. Oh, maybe I could do it this way. And maybe I could do it this way. But you can't tell nobody. You can't tell your parents. You can't tell your, your wife. You can't tell your kids. You can't tell nobody. So not only are you suffering, but now you're suffering alone. I think for me, one of the lowest moments was, to get back to your point, I was in a, a place in Michigan, had this old car, and I was sitting at a stoplight, and you just start timing it out. You're just waiting for the biggest vehicle to come by to protect the driver. Like you got to protect, even though I didn't even think about how much damage that could have done on him or her. I didn't even think, I don't want to think of me as like the biggest vehicle. And all of a sudden I saw an 18 wheeler to my left. I'm going, there it is. I had one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas. And I'm just cleaning with that. I'm like, okay, God, like give my wife a better husband, give my kids a better dad. Like you're, and all of a sudden, someone come on the radio by Scott Stapp of Creed. And it's because oh, I'm six feet from the edge and six feet ain't so far down. And there, it was like that moment, like you asked me at the beginning of this podcast, why do you do it? Listen to me, Tyler has a beautiful little studio apartment my wife live in. Um, it's the size of an ashtray and it's, we, <laughs> it's, we love it. We love it, love it, love it. So we don't know if a hit song is going to make me a better husband, a better dad. I don't know if it's going to, I don't even know if I could handle money. Like everybody, oh, I could handle, I'd be at the dang cracker bill every day if I had money. (laughs) You don't know what I would be, but I do know this. At my bottom, a song found me. And it found me, like me and the song at the exact second corner at the exact second if that song if it would have been a commercial for lay's potato chips or a pizza commercial, I, I don't even know if i'd be here right now but one song come on 
and I've had a couple of times that's happened. And I think my thing lasted about six years. And then people always ask, well, how do you get out of it? You ask the questions. I don't know anything clinical. Just what I went through is just, I got out of it one kind person at a time. At a time. Yeah. One, I couldn't take too many of them. I, I, I couldn't take, but one kind person at a time. And the accumulation of kindness, not condemnation, I think is the thing that saved me in, in a weird way. And now that maybe I just feel like I'm just trying to pay back the world and hopefully I write something that matters to something. Hopefully I'm, you started this podcast like, oh, what, what would I say that, and I've said that too, but I would say this to you as you would say to me. Everything's been said, but it's never been said the way I would say it. Uh, Everything's been said, but not the way you would say it. So there's always room for the radio, for art, yeah. to say something in a way that has never been said before. So it could be your podcast and talking about those last moments with your mom and all these months to tell that story. But watch this. Someone has insomnia. They can't sleep. And they accidentally trip over your podcast. And so what happens is that hour gave them breath. It gave them yeah. breath for the night. You know what I'm saying? So I think for me is I'm not really sure always how I got in it, but I'm sure how I'm getting out of it. Even today, I can still drive around Nashville today and it hits me. And next thing I'm in a parking, Kroger's parking lot, just bawling and bawling. Going, oh, I don't want to go back to that place. I don't want to go back to that place. <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't know. I, man, yeah. Dennis, one kind person at a time. What's birth? And thank you for the kind words on recognizing the mission of the podcast and some of the hardships and the lowest of woes that I've experienced. But man, do I resonate with one kind person at a time. And what I see you do today as a extension to a movement that allows people to see kindness and to see that it's a safe place to be expressive and to allow that music to come through of which was music that resonated with you when you were in that stoplight dennis if that's not a full circle beautiful moment I don't know what is, but with that said, and it comes to your mission, the future, Songhouse, whatever it may be, when you're 10 toes up, when I'm 10 toes up, I'm always wondering, what does success look like to you when people are, are celebrating your life, man? Because I, I think that there's a lot of people you've already impacted through kindness, but what's the end goal for you, Dennis? That's a great question. And it's not that it hasn't been asked before. It's just that I'm not, I know I don't view success the way I used to, <clears throat> only because, and this isn't original to me at all, but I think it was George Clooney was on a podcast or somebody and he just said, success is a lousy teacher. Uh, but again, nobody wants to not be, not be able to pay their light bills and you want that. So I don't know. I think success for me um, is, is someone would say, Dennis, your darkness has brought me light. 
And to me, I just like, I don't know, do I want things? Yeah. Do I want this? I want that. Yeah, I do. But I just, at, at least in my age, I, I don't know if it makes me better anything, but I do know that I wake up every day. I'm just like, oh my God, just help me be a better storyteller. Just please. And I, like, I'm paying attention to everybody in the world. Like I, I there, there was this kid at a coffee shop and I'm five paces away. He has some Buddy Holly glasses on, something like you. Buddy Holly glasses. And he had this thing called hair and his hat was on backwards. And he probably in his mid-20s, you could tell by the conversation, he had some dents, but he didn't have a lot of rust on his life. Yeah. And every single person, and I watched at least 25 people walk up. Every single person, he had this way to to find his way into their story versus asking them to come into his story. So for me, I go to coffee shops almost every morning in Nashville, all over the place. And I just, I don't have any big, great goals or anything in my life these days, but I love going to coffee shops and listening to people tell their stories. And I love, I just think success for me, especially again, I even feel bad. I don't know, like I'm at this age, right? I can write with a, a 21 year old and they go, oh man, we're going to put this out next fall. I'm going next fall. Are you nuts? I might not be around next fall. I want to put it on next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it works. I goes, I know how it works. Yeah, you don't have motivations, man. You, you yeah, want to get going. Yeah. So, again, <laughs> I just think at least at this season of my life, success is these things that I barely made it through find their way into a verse, a chorus, or a bridge, and someone hears it at a stoplight somewhere in the world and go, that song. Uh, and, I don't, and, and I don't even know because I don't only see one side of the camera. I don't even see you people. I don't see you. I don't see all I see is, and I just, right. this isn't my idea, but I, I, I think I stole this, but it's I, to try to practice one-way love and just like, Give wow. me, walk away. I love you. And you're like, I give it back. Instead of just saying, hey, man, have a great day and move on with your day. And that's a constant struggle to do that because we're built not only to give love. And if you just give love, I think at some point you're going to have a mental breakdown. You're just going to have it. Because it's a two-way street, to... isn't it, Dennis? Yeah, you got to give and take, man. You got to take it. And I'm learning that at this age. Yes. Phew, man, if someone said, just shut up and shut up, thank you, and leave it alone. Well, one thing I'll say, man, is it's so beautifully said, first and foremost, but here I am with my, my last question, and I'm going to frame it. Mm -hmm. uh, one is you're, you're rocking a Detroit Lions hat, saw some possible photos of you in a Michigan hat. Sure. And you got guys like Dan Campbell and Jim Harbaugh that are leading teams to do extraordinary things. But when I watch these coaches lead, Dennis, they lead with a lot of the same compassion that I see you leading these extraordinary artists that have just been desperately trying to find a way to share their story. Yeah. And I love... I repeat, I love the simplicity of your journey of where you resonate with 
those coffee shops, those moments of listening before saying. But this gives a tremendous opportunity for you right now is you've been in a lot of coffee shops. You've talked to all sorts of individuals that have experienced who, what, where, why, and when. And yeah. your story in itself, Dennis, is remarkable. With that said, I am eager, and I know the listeners are eager to hear this as well. When it comes to Dennis Cook, if you had an opportunity to go back to that 16, 17-year-old self and go meet him in a, I don't know if it was Michigan at the time where you were, yes, but you find a, a coffee shop and hopefully it's warm in there because yeah. Michigan gets cold, man. Spent some time in Kalamazoo back in the day, but long of the story is you get a chance to be who you are now. Hearing all of these stories, hearing all of the moments of chaos and turmoil or glory or glee, whatever it is, I am eager to know, Dennis, what advice would you give knowing what you know now? Yeah, I, I think the thing I wish I could tell him would be this. It won't always be like this. And I mean that both ways. Like the very high say you're on, just be careful because it, it, it may not always be like this and pay attention to those around you. And then at the extreme lows, I had about three people that were like, I was sitting in a place in Michigan that was about two blocks from where this story about almost taking my life. And I had a friend who lost his daughter. He bought me a a grilled cheese sandwich and a cup of broccoli cheese soup at a deli in this town. And we're just sitting there and I just started bawling and bawling and I'm like, and he said, there will come a day that it will not cost you what it costs you to tell this story. And I'm here with you tonight telling you this story because someone told me it won't always be like this. And so yeah. that would be something I wish someone would have told me back then. Dennis Cook, powerful man. Your journey, your story, your heart, your compassion to want to help people through music and through a concept like Songhouse to find ways in this very unique world that we live in to have hope and encouragement. I couldn't be more proud of you and to tell you that it's people like you, Dennis, that will allow this world to continue to be a better place. Keep going, impossible's nothing. Yeah. And I cannot thank you enough for joining me today on the BTB project. Well, thanks, man. And just to be fair to that final comment, I'm only given what has been given to me. And uh, <laughs> there you go, brother. Thanks for having me, Cole. I appreciate it, man. You've been gentle on me for not doing this. I'm not really a pro at this. So thanks for being gentle with me in this process. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, man. And keep going, all right? Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Man. What a powerful conversation with Dennis Cook. He spends most of his days helping people become the best versions of themselves as they possibly can whether it's through trials or tribulations of life, 
or to find the courage and the right words to write a beautiful song that will impact people like you and I. Dennis had a tough decision to make when he was in that car with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And he was going to make a decision that was going to change his life forever. And it was a song that came on the radio that resonated with him, that spoke to him to make the decision to carry on his life and to live his best life today. Such an incredible story that Dennis has and the concept of Songhouse that he is helping these local gig workers in Nashville find a voice, have their music become viral, and to continue to impact people all over the world. Listen, if Dennis's story impacted you, do me a favor and like and subscribe to the BTB Project. Better yet, send this to a family member, friend, or colleague and tell them one of your favorite songs. Tell them why that song impacts you and how Dennis's message can be not only paid forward as a message of hope, but as something that continues to be the igniting fire of the BTB project. As always, I'm proud of each and every one of you. And until next time, take care. Yeah, yeah, yeah.